I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I create today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And I think that's the thing is, and I'm going to say it again, the privilege of a friendship like this, which I have to thank you for because you were the one that seeked it out. And we talked about this episode one of Offline. Thank God you did because, like, my life has never been the same. Oh, <laughs> Let's not just jerk each other off for the next 10 minutes. But oh, um, man. also the absolute privilege of finding a partner, and this has come from us being incredibly toxic relationships and choosing other ways and also doing a a lot of work together to get to the point where we can grow together and communicate together. Dearest you... A very warm welcome to season eight of this beautiful and ever evolving podcast. I can't believe I've had the absolute privilege of being in your ears for four years now. I mean it when I say that you being here matters to me and you leaving this listening experience feeling more whole and more true and more seen is my why. So this episode is part of a brand new series called Checking In With, where I touch base with some of Offline's earliest guests to hear how they're doing today. We also explore what they've moved through since we last spoke, and of course, how their definition of success has evolved in and around the rich texture of their life experiences. Speaking of life experiences, the last couple of years have offered me deep and sometimes very dense opportunities to evolve. As some of you might know, after a couple of years of trying and two miscarriages, Tony and I fell pregnant with our perfect little girly, Betty, and that was in 2020, and she's nearly two now, which is crazy. But what I haven't spoken about publicly is that a couple of months before conceiving Betty, my beautiful mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and sadly her cancer spread and she passed away just a few months ago. My beautiful mum, she loved watching this podcast grow and watching me grow with it. I share that with you to say that lately my own growth has been centered on really learning to develop a relationship with grief, to expose myself to it and expand into it and to let it become part of my story and even my work. So this very first checking in episode is with one of my best friends, Zoe Marshall. She was Offline's fourth guest way back in season one. I told her recently that of all the people I spend time with and over a hundred people I've had on the podcast, my mum loved following her the most. Zoe also lost her mum to breast cancer, so She's been a real home for me recently. She's someone who makes me feel comfortable to bring all parts of me and my experience into the room when we're together. She's my emotionally safe friend. And while I didn't realize it when I asked her to record with me, that's really what this episode is about, friendship, and how important it is as aware and ambitious people that we have those really emotionally safe relationships that we can fall backwards into when we're being stretched to a brand new edge. I hope you adore this season's honesty. I hope you feel the joy and the pleasure and the play that I'm actively seeking after what has been a really hard couple of years, I know, for many of us. I also hope you adore the explorations into 
the darker spaces that life leads my guests and I as we seek to land more deeply in our true self. Now, before we get stuck into my honest conversation with Zoe, I realized I never answered her prompt to share my take on the purpose of life. And this is important on a podcast squarely aimed at grounding us in a more considered, sustainable, and nourishing version of success, what I call true self-success. And so I'd like to share it with you now before I lovingly wrap my arm around you and walk you into this season. I believe the purpose of life is to liberate ourselves from the suffering that comes with believing that we're separate from the whole, that somehow we're separate from each other. I believe the purpose of life is unity and community, celebration and love. Our work matters, but we are not our work. At our essence, we are innocence and we are purity and we're swelling into the present moment. I hope this season feels like home. Here's my magnetic, expressed, curious friend, Zoe Marshall and I for Offline. Before we begin, my friend, Mm. I wanted to give you an opportunity to make any acknowledgements that you might want to, to anything or anyone before we begin. Mm, What a nice gesture. What an important Mm. moment that I've actually never heard. So I would, and I, and I hope that it is enough what I'm about to say, because it's not scripted and I'm not reading it from something, but I really would like to acknowledge the First Nations people of our country, um, those that were here first, that own the land, that are the rightful people of this country. Um, I truly appreciate and acknowledge um, the position that we are in and the privilege we have because of them. Beautiful, my boo. I don't know if that was right, but that's how I feel. I love salami. Hey, Foxy. (laughs) Foxy, we said quiet for one hour. That wasn't one hour. That was one minute. He said, I want salami pizza. I mean, a man after my own heart. He's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. Um, Get the boy a pepperoni pizza. So the reason in which he is next to me on a screen watching Blippi is because my nanny is sick for the first time in four and a half years. What a superwoman. Oh, she is. She is and I have never longed and yearned for someone like I long for that woman. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. I love you. Come back to me. Yeah, it's a bit of a mad time, you know. We are moving out of our house. What? On Monday. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, babes, it's a moment. We're renovating. We're going up north. Also, there was always a point you'd have to move. I didn't know this. Yeah, we're just just going up north on a two-week holiday. They've got 10 days to renovate four bathrooms, a kitchen, and two joinery pieces. So it's like the block, <laughs> but I'm not going to be here. So my control freak nature is, and any mother listening knows what it is like to pack for small children. It's just, I was on Pinterest last night looking for pack. This is so boring. Can we talk about something better? But this is a thing, right? This podcast, you know, it got pretty serious. Do you just want and to I shoot think, the shit today? Like, what are, What do you well, want? Well, this is the thing is I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> as two seasoned podcast professionals, mm. I reckon we could shoot the shit. I have done very little preparation. Oh, good. The kind of <laughs> the idea behind this episode, it's a new series yeah. of checking in. Foxy's okay. Check in. Um mainly checking in on like a lot of the very early guests when I felt like the podcast was a bit more playful. Mm. 
And I think it's, I'm, this is season eight now. So obviously the last few seasons, I think there's been a necessity to the seriousness. I think yeah, sure. collectively we've moved through something where it just, it needed beyond that. being inappropriate, I had a lot of my own growth mm. to do. But coming into this season, I've had a, a pretty decent break. Mm. I want, and you know this for me in my life right now, I want play, I want joy, I want Yeah, pleasure. Like is it so wrong to be a hedonist? Like why is that such a negative thing? Can I tell you, inside my um, professional development space, we have a monthly mood every month Mm. and it's based off the the cosmic quality of the time. So Mm. we get right up and into the... Let's go. ...into the cosmic juice. And this month is... Seek pleasure is our theme and it's, you know, we're very much like cloaked by Venus and the energy of Venus, which is magnetic and adoring, (laughs) luxury. I have so much to say on this because one element of it is I did this incredible episode, it's not out yet, about BDSM. And the spectrum of that, right? Because you and I, I've probably, I, I can't speak for you, but my feeling is you're not very high on the BDSM spectrum. Um, well, there's something I want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and she said this amazing thing that was like, it could be like BDSM could be something as small as like your partner shushing you, like shh. And I was like, yee, I could do that. And I remember getting off the call and saying to Benj, hey, remember that other night when we were downstairs and the kids were upstairs and you were like, shh. I was like, can we do that again? And I planted the seed and then he went away and now he's back and we are just so fucking deep in chaos and children and life that I was like, when can I start to like, you know, explore sexuality again, especially in like marriage and a long-term partnership and also dabble in pleasure, like what I would have seen as like wasteful fun, you know, where we could like he and I pack a picnic of like Daffinois cheese and red wine and go by ourselves and sit and just like meet again. And that is so low on the priority list. And I think I'm talking to you about it because I need to, and I'm working with a mutual therapist of ours on this. Like I'm having weekly therapy myself at the moment, really tackling my phobia, which is ingrained in grief, which is ingrained in my attachment style, which is ingrained in my husband. So all of this work and, you know, the times that I'm feeling irritated by him and not sexual and not playful and fucking the the drudgery of life is like, how do I meet him in all of this? And so I am so with you with like just wanting to be in the pleasure space with Mm. you. Like longing, longing. (laughs) But what are you finding pleasure in right now? I think presence. Mm, Which I have zero. I think being in the totality of my existence and this beautiful life that I've worked so hard to create is just finally the pleasure for me is like I've landed in my life and it's taken me a really long time to fall back and that's bringing up a lot as well though because in the falling back there's a real kind of resistance to my ambition so I I do I've done this before I start to push the ambition away where I'm like no you take over everything when you come in, it's too much. And that's just something I need to find that middle ground for myself of it's the work after everything else. Oh, I just needed that. 
I just, because I am so with you in landing in life and looking around at it and being mesmerized by how I have created such a thing out of no thing. (laughs) This is our shared story. I think so much of what we connected on when we first met is like, it wasn't supposed to work out for us. Everything was against that. Like everything society puts out there as the rule book was not for us. And um, now we see this and I, I'm really struggling with the second part of that conversation that you, that, that you just said, which was the ambition because mm. I'm going on a holiday for two weeks with my family and this thing is stirring in me of like what can be done while you're on break, what can be done, what will be missed, what, like the beast is still, and I wanted to set it free, but it doesn't feel like it can. So how did you allow that? How did you allow the, the relishing of space? Because that is the true gift of being creative and successful. How did you land there? Hmm. Well, I think <clears throat> you know, I think with mum mm. that time like it ripped me out of my own self-absorption. Mm. And you've been through it yourself, so you just have that, it's another awakening where you go, oh, my God, nothing matters yeah. <laughs> except the people I love, mm. the health of the people I love. Mm. And so I think the as painful as it has been to lose her, the quality of that experience shifted my state And I guess I'm praying that I don't let go of it in some way, but I know that we don't ever go backwards, you know what I mean? You don't expand your state and then decrease your state. I think we have collapses in consciousness a lot, but that's kind of been my, um, one of my motivators is just trying to retain that um, perspective alongside the grief but knowing that what I actually, there's something for me to extract here. I'm not saying that everything we go through has to be this lesson because I think that bypasses the bigness of the experience and the hardness of the experience. But I do recognize that it is for me. Everything is for me. Mm. And I did a lot of that kind of internal work during those last few months, especially of like, what's here for me? What's here for me? What's here for me? And the biggest thing was um, was the presence and I suppose just continuing to work on harnessing my ambition, but that my ambition, I guess like how I think about the energetic makeup of my ambition, it's actually not just professional. And I think I've always boxed it into this kind of like my ambition is my job and my profession when actually my ambition spreads into all areas of my life. Mm. It's just where I choose to place my awareness. And so I think that's been the kind of closing the gap between wanting to be present and being present. I feel like your experience of losing your mum was such a, um, like it's such an interesting thing when you've experienced loss young and then you revisit it, you know, a decade and a half later with someone you love and it's so parallel and so similar, but it was like such different levels of wisdom and who you are, right, and who I was. Remember we were saying that how really like, I don't know if we use the word lucky, but how much of a gift it was that I went through it today. 
because you were saying like with the with the awareness you <sighs> have today and the work you've done on yourself, yeah, to lose your mum today would be a very because it's so weird to say out loud, but like, oh, I don't know. I haven't really said this out loud before, but like, there's something quite nourishing about it. Oh yeah, and I just. That sounds like the complete opposite of like what <laughs> it should have been, but especially the work you do and the Vedic way, like what your 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 life is anchored in to experience that privilege, that beauty of someone's passing oh. is like literally the work. Like it's like the the finite thing. And I went away and I actually spoke to Sheree about it because I had um, some stuff come up for me, which was like, you know, even regret for what the capacity that I didn't have at that time, you know, at 21, 22 of just even technology. I said to you, like, I don't, I cannot hear her voice again. I do not have a recording. All of those, a a, a moving picture, a video, and how, like it was another, it was such a strange thing. It was like another level of grief of like what I didn't get to have because it was 16, 17 years ago. And also the difference I think between you having this experience now with this wisdom and this grace versus probably why I am so ingrained in ambition and safety is because of that loss then, you know, and um, maybe that's why I'm still struggling with it is because when I do feel out of control in my life with overwhelm, moving, travelling, work, no nanny, the kids, all of the the systems out of whack, I then go back to the baseline, which is like, do the thing that makes you safe, be ambitious, hit some deadlines, hit some goals, get some safety. Whereas what you and I have discussed is, well, what's the fucking bottom line? Like, what is the, where will you feel safe? Making how much money a month? Doing what? Like, at what point do I get to take my foot off the accelerator and go, you're safe? Because I've touched on it, but I don't believe it. Yes. This is the thing is we can hear all the knowledge in the world. It's when the knowledge becomes embodied and we begin to live from the knowledge. Mm. That's what embodiment means. Hey, Foxy. Please excuse me. It's not been one hour. Can you give me 20 more minutes? 20 20 minutes. That's a lot. <laughs> Can I get you something on here that's great? No, I like it. Okay. What would you like? Thank you, Grippy. Can you hold one second? I'm going to try and find one more thing to buy us some time. While Zoe tends to beautiful Foxy... I thought I'd take this opportunity to talk to you about all of the ways my work as a conscious career business and leadership coach is expanding and evolving, and also to extend an invitation to join me, to join us. Four years ago, this podcast planted a seed for many of us, and that seed was True Self. Who am I without the title and the labels and the curated social media accounts? What is life really like on the other side of the filters I put on my life and on myself? This deep self-reflection gifted us an epiphany. Whose version of success and influence am I chasing? Is this mine? And who am I doing it for? It's been big work and it's seen many of us make really big decisions on the back of our realising. And it's in these emotionally and spiritually rich transitions that I found my role to be a steady and ethical and aware guide 
but also to be your biggest cheerleader. Serving you at your highest expression serves me. And it's the intrinsic motivator behind my work as a conscious career, business and leadership coach. So my invitation to you is to move into intentional action. Visit my website and sign up to my mailing list. It's the first place I share any and all opportunities to work with me as we journey back home to our true selves. Visit getoffline.co. Soz. I'm back. I'm back too. I just had to, um, so disgusting. I put my mic on mute, but I've had like whatever Betty's various daycare bugs, but <laughs> just the amount of phlegm. <laughs> but I'm trying to do that thing where I'm like, get it out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I just did a big cough and then I just had to go and spit it out. You had to do what you had to do. I had to do it. <laughs> Otherwise, um, it's never going to go away. Um, yes. <clears throat> yeah, that's what you, I mean, I, and I'm bored and I'm tired and it's the default place that is anti-rest mm-hmm. and um, I am working on it. But you know what happens when you work on things is like all the other shit comes to the surface and I've just been in this constancy for like, six weeks of like working through grief, working through my phobia, like actually doing real life, um, exposure therapy. It's just like, it's a lot, but then is that ambitious? Should I, you know what I said to Cherie, it would be really nice to just be a commoner with no insights and just walking around nine to five, drinking a brewski. You know, like I think that would be such a relief. And I think this is like something we don't talk about a lot is as we go on these kind of self-development journeys or whatever you want to call it, um, there's this part of it that sh- that looks, oh, that's so blissful and that's so soft and that's so sweet, but what we know it as it's like the bumpy road to enlightenment, isn't it? Because it's like the layers that we just keep unpacking. And then what we don't really talk about is the grief we experience within the development because we grieve for the state we were in where we didn't know we were unaware. And I think that's really normal. But I don't think we like talk about the, I suppose, the spectrum of healing and that there's going to be a moment where you're going to pop out the other side and it's going to feel soft and mm. it takes a long time and to get there and we don't want to give up. With this, right, before you even get to the softness, oh, I've been working through some stuff with my husband around attachment styles and I've really shifted a lot with how I'm turning up for him And it is so much more positive, but because it is so different to the past 12 years, it has completely destabilized him and his world, which has in turn been this like rhythmic way of us having to find and like this push and pull and the uncomfortability and the understand, like it's such, it's so hard. Well, also because you're like, why am I willingly pulling the rug up from under oh, my marriage? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> am I a sicko? Like, but we ultimately know it's in our best interest for our own evolution and their evolution as well. And I think, again, as you expand your state, I don't believe in it being like a higher or lower state. It's just an expansion from where totally. we are. There's something charming and addictive about it in the growth. I know. And we want it more. Um, but one thing I've been grounding into, particularly I guess more from the Vedic view, and also try not to be kind of a fundamentalist about what I believe and where it comes from and all of that, but um, it's really just like let's get down to it. What's the purpose of life? Like in the moments where... Are you talking spiritually or as in like a a human body? 
In what well, way? I think it's the same thing. Because you and I at lunch over that shared grief of your mother were like loved ones, health, literally all that matters, right? Literally. Foxes in land. I can't. <laughs> He's like, mummy, mummy, mummy. <laughs> That's it. It is, well, for me, and then it was like peace and space. I think mm. is what we kind of arrived at. But what do you, what's your meaning? Well, it makes me think about that kind of babushka doll analogy. So there's the meaning of life at the smallest little woman in the things, you know, and then they kind of then start to kind of expand out from there to that kind of overall big babushka doll that houses all the little dolls of us or parts of us. Um, that's where I float between is like there's days where I'm the smallest doll mm. in the middle and I'm feeling wholly identified with my human life and that Crazy. is health, yeah. you know, all of those things we spoke about. And then there's days particularly where I'm really immersed in this knowledge where I'm the big doll mm. and that probably was my experience of grief is I went into big doll mode because oh. I don't even think I knew how to be in in the realness of it if but I'm really honest But there isn't and you. we talked about that, that vastness and that... Uh, intangible experience of birth and death. Yes. And if you have the privilege of experiencing both, and some people will never experience birth because of whatever um, obstacles are in their way, and I don't mean that I think that you can experience birth outside of being the one that births Mm. and you can experience death without being the one that dies, but what a truly magnificent like two of the most, three of the most profound moments of my life were those three things. Yeah. But especially death, especially mm. death. And we were talking about how like there's no time and oh it's dreamlike and it's this unconscious, conscious, weird, incredible. It's like the quality of the energy in the room. The quality of the moment is so still, dense, rich. It was euphoric in a way. There was something there that was just like there was a, it was a transition of two worlds. It was kind of like I was in the manifest and the unmanifest at the same time. And I think that she trusted me. With that moment, especially because she said she would go on her own, that she trusted me to shepherd her in a way, which I really believe I did, but also that she trusted that I would be able to handle the moment based on how she'd seen me grow. And I think that's what's made it okay. I didn't fall into this collapsed state of like, oh, my God, I was there. and uh, It was more like like a real honour. Oh, and this is something we discussed, right, about friends that or people we know that cannot be in the room, cannot witness death, cannot witness, like, can you deal with the handholds during this? I just am obsessed with this little arm poking in. Mm. And you and I were like, how could we have not witnessed it? I think it really like does separate people into two categories and there is no right or wrong, but it is a fascinating way to go. Like um, being a, a fear-based place of like, I can't see that or it's a loss or it's, I, I really do want to um, look further into that. I find that fascinating. But you and I were just like almost a, uh, we wanted it to last longer. I know that sounds so strange, but it, 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 you're kind of taken out of it as soon as someone brings in a logistical question or moment and you just kind of want to anchor in and sit with this. You said it. It was like this moment where the soul, like a goosebumps, leaves the body and arrives home Like, mm. and you're in the space of that. What the mm. fuck, you know? That's- and that feeling, 
made this what was then an idea pre her dying that she is a um a body of consciousness that has landed in a human form and therefore when that consciousness leaves that body when she drops her body mm-hmm. I'll still be able to be with her because consciousness doesn't dissipate doesn't disappear it just goes somewhere else mm-hmm. but the feeling of that kind of threshold that you're talking about from her being in her body to not experiencing what that felt like now has given me a really tangible understanding, maybe has moved that from a kind of concept, an idea that I can be with her always into a knowing because that kind of little journey to embodiment it's a feeling state, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. we feel it in our bodies. We know what it feels like. And that feeling is what kind of stems the belief. So without having been there, I think I would have always been trying to grab onto that concept of like, but I can be with her anywhere, can't I? Whereas now I'm like, oh, no, I felt what it was like to be with her, even though she wasn't, even though her body wasn't moving. You know what I mean? And the real, you know, the exceptional part of the work that you do and the service you give to community and your state of being, to have that experience while someone is dying is like quite, is just very unique. Mm. Like that's very, I don't think that happens often. That was not my experience. I got to have a very spiritual experience with it, but the wisdom at 21, 22 versus where I am now versus oh, what I don't have the life. You just don't have just haven't had time on the field. You know, you know? Know? And like... so you have like, I really understand how you are in the space that you're in. Mm. and the breadth of that like but see you're the only one I can really talk to about it which is why hence why we're having this conversation because I suppose there's that part of me that if I bring too much of this into rooms that can't hold it I'm not going to say I'll look crazy people don't want to believe me when I tell them I'm okay it'll chip away at the Mm. pureness of it and you have to hold that really tight and close protect but like for for mum and I protect our experience preserve our experience and it's not to be questioned and doubted but this is the thing is like for the people in my life who have been checking in and stuff when like how are you it must be really hard it's like yeah I'm, I'm okay actually you don't have to say that. It's like, oh, God, you don't know me because I wouldn't say, say I'm okay it. if I'm not. And that's what I really felt. And this is, was such a beautiful because, you know, I know my role as a friend. I know my strength. And it is definitely in times of crisis. It is to help others evaluate. It is to unburden themselves. And I knew leading up to your mother's death where you were at. I knew the best use of my resources because I trusted you and I knew you knew and I knew you knew I was here. Yeah. So it was also this really incredible and, and such growth for our friendship as well of like I'm just going to do something tangible and send her something so she like practical logistically she doesn't have to deal with food and then touch points and because also it is exhausting through grief oh just just the kind of like no reply needed loving you from a distance totally know where you're at I'm feeling you and then you were you just kind of um popped your head up one day and you were like I'm ready to see you. And I was like, I'm there. And then we had this moment where we both knew. But I had to be ready to see you because you're my friend. And even Tony knows this. I'm having lunch with Zoe. He's like, ooh, (laughs) bring the tissues. And I even told the people in my professional development space that 
I was doing like a coaching voice memo in the car before I came to see you. And I said to them, I didn't wear mascara in I go. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I had to be ready because I knew you were going to ask me a set of questions that were going to draw me back into the experience that I hadn't yet spoken about. But that was very deliberate, I think, because I didn't want to have that conversation initially. I still really haven't had that conversation with anyone else. And that's been really beautiful too, is it's not something I feel like I need to. Like I'm not needing to say it over and over again to like as a processing tool, like part of what you were describing of what it was like in the moment was how I kind of identify with kind of honouring those kind of three states at all times is that I can kind of be in the moment but I can also witness the moment and then have that understanding of why all things are happening. But it's very, they're short and sharp, they're rare. We don't get rich experiences like that every day where we can actually move into that witness consciousness. I Can I just ask you something before we move on with this? Should I, as a friend, also, like the fact that you knew you were going to see me and there was kind of like you knew what was going to happen, would it have been beneficial for you if we just like shoot the shit and just kind of skimmed and there wasn't um, that? Would that would have been... No. Okay. I feel like our friendship for each other, we play a real role in each other's lives. It's very defined for me what we are. And so to water that down would have been really unfulfilling. Okay. I just want to make sure for you, like you weren't avoiding me because it was going to be that. Like I want to make sure that I'm there for you in different not watered down or like avoiding, but like we can just, you can just cap it and be like, can we just watch Will and Grace and lay on the couch and not do this today? We can do this next time or something. Mm -hmm. I want that to be a place for us as well to be able to explore because that moment for us that we did see each other was so special Mm. and powerful and healing for me as well that it's super valuable in our friendship but I also just wanted to make sure that it's like you know not the we're going to do this today (laughs) no it's the complete opposite and to that I would say you know you you know me you know us and we never need to doubt the way we show up for each other because We're just tuned in in a way that, you know what I mean? Like just defies society's conditionings of like what it means to be a good girlfriend in the moment or Mm. I just know that you know what I need. And also I think you have a really beautiful way of, I suppose, like playing your role, if that makes sense because you have an understanding of what our friendship is, I think much the same way I do. And so when we show up for each other, we bring the totality of our state. Mm. Like we don't hold back. Mm. And I think that's the gift we give each other is we can go there, but we can be fries on the lounge as well. But that's not really where I find the richness with you. I think that's beautiful and fun and we've done that. It's such a funny thing, right, because we're still recording a podcast, but I just feel like this is now (laughs) a personal (laughs) conversation about friendship and sisterhood um, and the the very true meaning of that because I think that we can acknowledge that there are other friendships in our circles that play very different roles and that, you know, are important in their own ways. But there isn't that kind of potency. Um, and truth, because I know, like when you say to me, like if I came to you with a situation that was unjust and I was at fault, I would be coming to you to give me the truth of m- me being flawed and mm. vice versa. And I think that 
everybody needs to seek out a friendship like that. But also in turn, when you've gone through a huge life moment, like a birth or a death or a trauma, that someone can really sit with you. And that may be at a restaurant at capacity where you are holding hands and sobbing together. And it, that poor waiter was just like so fries. I was like, just not right now. <laughs> but Have yeah. you looked at the menu? Obviously not. And being really okay with our sadness there as well. Like I, I, we had no shame and huge. we understood the, the gravitas of that moment. Everyone else was irrelevant Nobody mattered. Time. That was just a backdrop to our situation. It was. It was, it was like, the Truman Show. You yeah. know, it was like we were the most important people there because really, and I can guarantee you that our conversation would have been the most important one had yeah. in that room that day. And it needed to be done no matter what scenario. Yeah. And I think it was like... We're here because, you know, we want to be fabulous and we want to experience these things together. But there was something that we really needed to discuss and that wasn't going to move because to make other people feel comfortable. And I think that's such a, like, a strong um, decision, you know, for two women to make to be or share grief in a public forum. And that wasn't intentional. Like, we didn't go there with an outline Mm. of what the day was, but to sit in pain and to be okay with that and to hold each other through that. And I'm sure people, I mean, I wasn't aware of it, but people would have witnessed that. And For sure. And how, what a gift for them Mm. to witness two people holding each other through grief. Like that has to do something on an energetic conscious level. But I think this is what we know is like when we when when we're in the totality of a moment, that's like a chamber unbreakable for us. It's like our awareness is just there in that moment. I do think there is an element of the whole room gets upgraded when we experience so that. So I have to assume, you know, or there was, you know, whatever, people looking going, oh, my God, look at these two are just an absolute waterworks over there holding hands. And- I guess that's a level of consciousness you meet it with, right? Like, oh, look at yeah. these two women have too much to drink. Oh. <laughs> like it really depends <laughs> where you can meet it. And sorry, you continue. Well, what I was going to say is I knew, I mean, going into that chat, but any chat is that, I don't have to be okay for you. Mm, what a relief. I think this is the friendship I want for every woman is to have someone in their life where they can just arrive no matter what with any of it and that doesn't like it's just so hard sometimes to be in friendships where you think well if I say that I'm going to get kind of judged and so we kind of hold parts of us back, mm. hold parts of our truth back. Mm. But I think what drew me to you initially was that I I felt this level of comfort mm. that I can turn up at whatever whatever part of me, the small babushka doll or the big one, and she'll be willing and ready to receive that without judgment, you know, because part of when we talk, it's not actually like you'll share something or I'll share something big. It's really then just about drawing more out of each other with more inquiry. It's not about offering advice. Never. Do you know no. what I mean? Have you tried this or you should do this? It's more like, or you know. Or it is intentionally that's... advice. Like I will come to you and I'll be like. Asking for advice. Can you yeah. put your old school, you know. Punching hat on. <laughs> and answer this series of questions. But, or you'll say to me, you know, podcasting wise, or I'll say to you podcasting wise. But I think when we come to each other with a human level, you're completely correct. And there's also like, and people know this and that's why they listen to you. I am always, always floored by your wisdom. Oh, boo. 
always. And it was such, and I want to say this on here, um, you know, with really big life things, you're always a part of the conversation, the construct, the delivery. And (laughs) on this very emotional day that we were together in this restaurant, I said to you, Benji and I are renewing our vows. I didn't know whether we were going to talk about this or not. And then Benji said, actually I said, who will officiate? He said, Alison, of course. Who else? <laughs> and I was just like. It still it- makes me so emotional. <laughs> I literally hit the waterworks every time. <laughs> Even when I was telling Tony, I was in the kitchen just like crying, like I can't. It just means the most. It also means the most because he gets it. He gets it. Like you and I get it. But if he, the person I love so much, with the other person I love so much, get the dynamic and the the weight and the importance of you holding the space for that. I think that's why it makes me emotional because... I've never had someone, I think I just, I love him from a distance. And I've always wondered, like, does he feel that and is that enough? And that was a very validating moment of, like, we don't need to be besties. Mm. Because he understands what this is. And it's kind of without um, descriptors and words as well. Yeah. That's what makes it so, like, so special. And I think that's the thing is this, um, and I'm going to say it again, the privilege of a friendship like this, which I have to thank you for because you were the one that seeked it out. And we talked about this episode one of offline. Thank God you did because... Like, my life has never been the same. Oh, same. <laughs> Let's not just jerk each other off for the next 10 minutes. But oh, um, man. also the absolute privilege of finding a partner, and this has come from us being incredibly toxic relationships and choosing other ways and also doing an, a, a lot of work together to get to the point where we can grow together and communicate together. But like, I will never, even though I feel slightly annoyed at times, very annoyed, uh, especially recently, I will never (laughs) take for granted, you know, the other night, such a funny thing, a trauma response came up. Um, I leave my coffee mugs on the back of the couch, which drives him mad because very occasionally we will smash one. And um, it's a bad habit because we don't have a coffee table. And so the other night my empty mug was up there and he swung his leg over on top of the lounge and it smashed. <laughs> and I was watching Netflix and just kind of shrunk and like turned the volume up and like God, here we go. <laughs> and he was like oh, stomping around, cleaning it up. And he just walked past me with the vacuum and he said, I have told you not to put them there. I'm feeling very frustrated. And I just went, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. But I also didn't want to get up and help because I was feeling very lazy. And I thought later I was like, wow, imagine the old relationship I was in. What would have happened after breaking a mug? Think about all those women in those relationships now. What the consequence of breaking that mug would be. And my heart was in this juxtaposition of deep love for him and also incredible sadness for myself and for others living through that Mm. still, you know. So (sighs) to have a partner that can speak to you still with respect when they're very upset. And this is the spaciousness, isn't it? This is what growth is. It's space between what's happening 
and how you feel. But also we have infected the, these people and the environment and the level in which we have um, cultivated the space expects a level of consciousness to meet it. And if it doesn't and if it's confused, it stands out like a sore thumb and then we can work with that to make it reach there. But you and I are also walking around that when there's a mistake with the babies or something and we're really upset where, you know, being able to practice in front of a person mm. witnessing how we behave. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> the modelling. The modelling. But not conscious modelling, existing. Existing modelling. And it's actually just day-to-day shit. And, I, 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 like, I lose my shit. Mm. Yes, I do at many things constantly. But it's also about the repair, especially in front of children and two yes. children. And also that everybody knows, like, mummies and wifey's like trauma response to these things are overextending. So let's not take advantage when you see her doing too much. Okay. Let's like also create or help her meet her boundaries. That's where I'm at because of course, everyone's going to take the piss, give a busy woman something to get done and she'll do it. It's like that same thing. I'm um, think I'm losing my son now. Come, come up here. Well, I do have a final question. Can I ask it? Yeah, go. Oh, um, back in 2019, when we first recorded, my final question was, when you're sitting in your true self, who are you? And this podcast has obviously evolved mm. in many different ways. And one of the things that it seeks to explore now is when we're sitting in our true self, how do we define success? And this is a topic we didn't really get into. Oh, and I wish we did. I wish we did too. But I'd still like your take on when you land in the most expressed and expanded part of you, in the essence, what does success look like for you? Oh, freedom. And I am exploring that every day. It's peace and freedom. That is everything that's, and health. Because I have reached what we would see as society's version of success. I've hit those milestones. Well, uh, we could say capitalism's version. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> and um, I wasn't feeling so well and happy. And so now I am seeking boundaries and balance and space so I have freedom and peace and health. Mm. I love you so much. I love you so much. We have to do this little thing at the end. There's a new feature. Mm. We can take a photo, I think. Okay, ready? I think it's a countdown. Let me see. Tell me if you can see it. You see it? Mm Mm-hmm. You are so right. I'm going. Okay. Love you. Love you so much. Uh, I'll see you Friday. Fucking can't wait. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. If something I said today landed deeply in your body and felt true, I want to encourage you to move into intentional action. Visit getoffline.co and consider signing up to my mailing list. You'll receive conscious career love notes from me, invitations to learn with me, and much more. One last thing. If you know someone who would benefit from listening to Offline, please share it with them.